Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. This is not my Bible, but this is a, a like, actually it was better shape than what mine was in, okay? And then recently, um, I, I discovered I could have it rebound um, for a relatively decent price. So for 55 bucks, I had my Bible <coughs> rebound. And so it's together, it's in great shape, but I have all my original notes, dates, pages, everything else that's part of it. And so as we're entering a new time as a congregation, we're using this as a little bit of an illustration that there are certain things that as we um, transform, as we revolutionize things and and move into the future, there are certain things we want to keep. There are certain things that should not go away or should not be changed. Even as we try new methods and new approaches and new ideas, there are certain things to stay the same. And so it's a mixture of those two things. And so we've been into this series, and the first four are those things which have bound us in the past and are continuing to bind us going forward. And then there are four things we're going to talk about at the latter part of this series that um, will bind us going forward. And as some of these illustrations we've used, some of the art that you may have seen around the building. And the very first one we used was this piece of art here with the sticks which have names of people upon them, the community, Christ at the center. And we said that Christ being God, specifically in the nature of who he was, stands at the center of this community. But also being God in the flesh, there's a distinct character of God that we can discern in Christ and that we can use as a guideline for our own lives and to how we um, operate and how we are supposed to move going forward. Okay, and so we used that one as an illustration of where we've been at. And then we talked about um, the idea of, of sanctification, the idea that, that we're not just where we're at, that there's actually transformation and change going on in our own lives. And I think we used this illustration. Um, the original art piece is about this big. We got permission from the artist to create it larger out there. And the title of it is Born Again, It's a Struggle. And the idea that, that we don't just come to Christ, but there's actually be transformation and change. And that's different today. We're being told increasingly you can have the world and Christ. You don't have to give up anything. And yet we're finding actually in Scripture that there's to be transformation. There's to be change. And there's a struggle in that process, but it's worth it in the end, and it's a lifelong ambition and direction of things. And so today we come to the glue, the threads, and the binding of, uh, of the uh, stitches that are part of this. And I've got a little brief video I want to show to you as the offering is being received, so as our ushers are preparing and they're receiving this offering this morning, it's an older kind of video, nothing glitzy about it, but I want you to listen carefully to um, the words as they walk through the idea of binding together and rebinding a book. And before we do that, Father, I pray your blessing upon this offering and upon how these funds are used and resources for your purposes. Um, I pray, Lord, that we give freely without any compulsion. I also ask, Lord, that you speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Check it out. 
rebinding a book, the bookbinder has to unbind it. She uses a surgical scalpel to cut the strands of old binding thread. This separates the covers and the sections of assembled pages called signatures. Using a paper cutter, she trims the components just enough to make their edges neat and smooth. Then she positions the signatures in a vise, sandwiched between cardboard for support. She draws lines across what will be the spine of the book. Then she carefully saws a groove in each line. The groove is just big enough to fit a piece of hemp binding cord. One at a time, she reconnects the signatures on a sewing frame. The frame has binding cords that correspond to the grooves she sawed into the signatures. She sews a linen thread horizontally, looping it around the cords. A chain stitch on each end links each signature to the neighboring one. When she's done, she coats the sewn area with glue. She then lays a thin cloth backing over the glue, then closes the vise tightly to round the back and form joints into which the book's covers will fit. She perfects the joints using a hammer. Next, she weaves the binding's headband by wrapping threads around support sticks in a specific pattern. She does this on both the top and bottom of what will be the book's spine. Today, what I want to speak to you about uh, in the time that we have is the issue of community. This is probably one of the, the most significant subjects I think that we find in Scripture as God deals with individuals, but He also deals with entire communities. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. And then this line, once you were not a people, but now you are the people. So once we had no association with each other, we had no connection. Our divisions, whether they would be class or racial or status or social, would have separated us. So once we weren't, but now we are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so there's something that changed when we came to know the character of Christ and the nature of Christ, that now there's transformation that's taking place within us, but that transformation is never to be done alone. Eugene Peterson makes a statement that love cannot exist in isolation away from others. Love bloats into pride. Grace cannot be received privately, cut off from others. It's perverted into greed. Hope cannot develop in solitude separated from the community. It goes to seed in the form of fantasies. No gift, no virtue can develop and remain healthy apart from the community of faith. Outside the church, and this is a quote that's been used over the centuries, outside the church there is no salvation, quote unquote, is not ecclesiastical arrogance, 
but spiritual common sense confirmed in everyday experience. In the 12th century, Anselm of Canterbury compared a restless believer to a tree that can't thrive because it's, quote, frequently transplanted or often disturbed. He warns that he often moves from place to place at his own whim or remaining in one place is frequently agitated by the hatred of it. He never achieves stability with roots of love. We're told by uh, uh, researchers at Harvard University, there was a study done in 1937. It actually began the study in 37. And it was a study of adult development on what factors contribute to human well-being and happiness. And the research team selected 268 male Harvard students who seemed healthy and well-adjusted to be part of what is called a longitudinal study, which means the researchers are going to study these people um, over the lives uh, of their entire lifetime, not at just one point. So beginning in 1937, um, it was a period of this, this study was 72 years. It's called the Grant Study, if you want to look it up. With 72 years of perspective, the Grant Study gives a comprehensive viewpoint on what has affected the health, uh, level of health and happiness in these men over a lifetime. They tracked an array of factors, including standard measurable items like physical exercise, cholesterol levels, marital status, use of alcohol, smoking, educational levels, weight, they also had subjective psychological factors, such as how a person employs defense mechanisms to deal with the challenges of life. And over the period of 72 years, several men had directed this study. It had different people directing it. Over the past 42 years, the director has been psychiatrist George Vallant. In 2008, someone asked Dr. Vallant what he had learned about human health and happiness from his years of poring over the data of these 268 men dating back to 1937, and you expect a very complex um, medical response from this Harvard social scientist. But according to him, the secret to happiness was breathtakingly simple. He put it in one sentence. Quote, the only thing that matters really in life are your relationships to other people. We are relational creatures, we were made in the image of God. And while that view of who God is varies in different belief systems, in the Christian understanding of who God is, revealed in the person of Christ and in the Scripture, God is, is this Trinitarian being. He's three distinct persons in one, and we won't go into the detail of that today. But that's critical. Because in an understanding of who God is, we understand also ourselves and how to relate to Him. God is a social entity. He can love because He has always loved. From eternity and throughout all time, the Father has always loved the Son. The Son has always loved the Spirit. The Spirit has always loved the Father. There's this whole involved relationship. We're made the same way. To be in relationship. And those relationships change us. How many of you are or have ever been married? Then can I get an amen that relationships change us? <laughs> okay. They tell us that we actually begin to look like our spouse over time, which for some of us is a good thing, for others is not so good. These things impact us. And in the same way, in coming together in fellowship, the people around us shape us. I had a 
post that was drawn to my attention recently, and as most of you know, I'm a tremendous fan of social media. And for those of you that don't know, that was sarcasm, okay? I, I find it to be mostly a, a, a difficult thing, a tolerance at best. This post was said from one of our, our members who'd uh, moved away recently up north. He said, we often heard say, people say, quote, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, sure, that's true, which today I'd actually disagree with, but but that's not her point. She's actually arguing the other way. When you don't go to church, you miss out on the expanse of what your life could be. Apart from praise and worship, apart from messages that will challenge you to grow and change, apart from any other program or event, there are the people, which for some of us is the reason we don't want to go to church. We'll come back to that. People need other people, she writes. We're not meant to live life in solitary confinement. And I'm an introvert, y'all. I love my alone time, she says. I'm immensely grateful for my Rock Point family and now my Bayview family moving four hours away from Sterling Heights to Traverse City nearly two years ago. What I was most sad and nervous about was finding a new church home and leaving the church that my husband and I had attended from dating to engage to married to two kids and countless trials. I can tell you with 100% certainty that I would not be alive today without my church family. I'm immensely grateful to the unconditional love my children received at Handprints and now at Bayview. And she talks about children being inside the church. She says, so find a church home. Try a few until you find one that fits. You'll know. Be vulnerable. Let people in. It'll be worth it. I promise, she writes. Years ago, um, I was having a problem in my one eye. And I went to uh, what was at that time considered to be the most renowned eye person I was recommended in the entire area. He was an older gentleman. Skilled, evidently. I went. He told me it was a virus. I went back a couple of months later because it was still a problem and not going away. He looked at it again told me it was a virus again. It was in uh, uh, latter January, early February. I was in my office wrapping some things up when suddenly my eyes snapped shut and my retina had detached. He had misdiagnosed it uh, the entire time. And so now suddenly I'm with a uh, detached retina. I had to have work done on it. Uh, eventually it resolved in cataracts. Uh, then I had worked on that. I have now um, both eyes have synthetic lenses. I tap once. I can go infrared twice for x-ray. Um, it's great, Okay. My first experience two times with this physician was negative. And so in an alternate reality, I decided to never see a doctor again because they're all corrupt and screwed up. I decided the medical profession is a complete waste of time because of my experience with that physician who didn't seem to have it together. And so I didn't do any of that. And I ended up blind, unable to read, and continuing life in a very solitary fashion. Now you laugh at that, but that's the same application we have to churches. I had the experience with a pastor who mishandled something and didn't do things right, and they exist. Is that the reason why you would exempt and, and walk away from all those things? I encountered another church member who irritated me and annoyed me and depressed me and caused me heartache. Welcome to my world. <laughs> There's a study that was done recently by the Schaefer Institute just so you have a little sympathy for some people, and, and says it revealed that 80% of pastors feel unqualified and discouraged in their role. We get the picture of the arrogant individuals trying to control reality and siphon off money or influence, but 80% of these guys feel discouraged and unqualified in their roles. 70% constantly fight depression. 80% believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families, while 70% say they don't even have a close friend. I don't identify with the vast majority of those numbers. In this place are my friends. And this place is where I've had history and roots that go way down. 
But for a lot of situations, that's not the same. And I've had my own negative experiences growing up with church. Many of you know my, my mantra was, God, I love you. It's just your people I can't stand. But you can't love God without loving his people any more than you can have a close, intimate relationship with one person while completely belittling their spouse. You can't do it. Not if that marriage relationship is anything healthy. We come to Christ and, in, and that, that knowing of his nature and knowing of his character transforms us and we're in a constant process of transformation. But that transformation is worked out in detail when we're in relationship with each other. Not just passing relationship, but where we come to know one another. I shared in our vision setting recently, but some of you missed that session where I was down visiting with one of our former staff members, uh, Steve Gill, who we're supporting at a church plant in Florida. And as I walked into the first time I've been in the church, we support it for years, but I've never been able to get down there. So the first time my wife and I walk into their Sunday morning service, and we had happened to stop at a, at, as we were going in the, the previous day, there were, were, were um, uh, what do they call the shops? Not retail shops, but were the, uh, the outlet stores. And outlet stores and Renee are like immediate relational connections. And so we stopped and spent five minutes to three and a half hours there. Um, and I did find one or two shirts, and I decided I'd wear the one shirt that, that I'd bought there. It was just a, a short sleeve similar to this one. In fact, this is one of the ones I got there. Aren't you happy to know that? And, and I, I walk in in the morning, and um, the only thing I didn't like about this particular shirt is it seemed to have right over the pocket a little bit of the, the name. I don't know if it was Calvin Klein or whatever it was. And uh, I, I don't like that, frankly. I just don't like having those things. But the shirt was nice. It's small print. I didn't think it'd be noticed. I walk in and unfortunately it was noticed, but even more so because the young man I greet, part of Steve's team right there, his first exposure, their advisory elder and, and one who's helping them on some things here is to look at me and say, oh, um, new shirt, huh? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I just got it yesterday. Yeah, I can tell. And he peels, and what I didn't realize is that there was a, a name here, but then there's a translucent tag that ran all the way down. And he peels it off, and I'm like, well, that's the way it's worn nowadays. Now you just screwed it up, you know? It's like, I was hip, you know, and I tried to cover it up. But the point is, I would never have known that without contact. <laughs> My wife didn't notice it. Others didn't, but that person did. There are things that others of your family won't notice that someone else in this family will. And hopefully they'll be as gracious as my friend was. Could have been a little bit more. He could have just said, hey, can you come aside over here? Just, you know. We've all had moments, men, when someone has lovingly, kindly, thoughtfully told us, hopefully in a way that was off to the side, your fly is down. We need one another to learn from one another. We connect. Now, I showed you this video, and it was just a really old-timey, nothing like what I would normally want to present to you, because you can almost go to sleep by the third minute of it, and it's only three minutes long. But several things stood out to me as we're talking about bindings. First of all, the very first thing did you catch that she said that they have to do is they have to unbind it. That caught me. When we come to Christ, and when there's transformation and change, there are... are I suggest times that God is unbinding us from things that we have been bound to in the past, whether they are habits or people or environments, and he wants to sever those. And I love the way she said it. He, they take a surgical scalpel and cuts the old binding threads. A surgical scalpel. That fascinates me. 
That God, when we come to him, would take a surgical strike and begin to sever certain threads that connect us to people or things that we should not be connected to any longer because they bind us to the past or to habits or methodologies that militate against the things of God. And then they separate, and I like the phrase for pages. They use the term signatures, like each one's a person. They call it signatures. And they separate those signatures of their pages. Then they trim them. They put them together and they trim. They cut off, in other words, the rough edges. That's what happens when we come to Christ. That's the transformation. That's what happens when we rub shoulders with one another. We get our rough edges trimmed off. And I'm sure all the pages said amen. They don't. They're getting cut. They're getting severed. But then it gets better. They're placed into a vice where there's pressure applied. Oh, this is great. I'm severing from anything I knew or had connections with. I'm being trimmed, and now I'm being put into a vice and pressurized. Then they saw grooves like it couldn't get any worse. And so there's this deep driving force here to have deep connection. Then one at a time, it said that she connects each signature to the neighboring one. They connect each signature to the neighboring one. And then coats it with glue, which to me is a type of the Holy Spirit. And then it's still not finished. Forms joints on that rounded part. And to perfect the joints, she takes a hammer to round those things off. Isn't this a great illustration of church? Don't you just want to run out and join today? You know, you're going to get severed and trimmed and viced and pounded on and then joined together with other signatures who've been trimmed and shaped and are weird, you know, and all that together. This passage in First Peter about being a people who are now the people of God, that hadn't received mercy but now have. Prior to this, there's another passage I don't have put on the screen for you, but it says you're living stones in Second First Peter 2, 5. You're living stones that God's building into a spiritual temple. The third art piece I'd present to you today for your examination is out in the uh, atrium. And when we finished the construction out there, many of you recall, and many of you don't because you weren't there, that everyone brought a stone to represent them based on this passage, and we dropped them at pots at the end, and then our art people put together um, this fountain. And each of the stones that were brought that day were pressed into a matrix. And there's water that flows over this as a fountain. And the idea we had behind this was the idea that we are to be the church. We don't go to the church. We are the church. Not that we're the only church. But that we want to be church. And that means that we are in a matrix put together. We are signature pages threaded connected with glue the holy spirit washes over us and is transforming us even as we're in that matrix and one of the songs that was sung at that time was one by nicole nordeman river god it says rolling river god little stones are smooth only once the water passes through so i am a stone rough and grainy still trying to reconcile this river's chill but when i close my eyes and i feel you rushing by i know that time brings change and change takes time And when the sunset comes, my prayer would be this one, that you might pick me up and notice that I'm just a little smoother in your hand.
So when you see this, you understand. When you go out today and you see the, the statue there, or when you look at the fountain, that you'll have an understanding of coming to know the nature and the, the character of God, that there's to be transformation, and that is a struggle. But he who began a good work and you will finish it. But that also, in the midst of that, we're placed in a matrix. We're placed in linkages together. People are going to hurt you. That happens. But one of our, more fo- one of our foremost philosophers, Bob Marley, said, truth is everyone's going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones worth suffering for. I can read you a number of passages in this morning. I'll read quickly for you. Romans chapter 12. For the, by the grace given to me, I say every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But think of yourself with sober judgment. Verse 5 says, So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He talks about the gifts we have and how we're to use them. He talks about hating evil and clinging to what is good. And in verse 10 he says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good teacher, but you know who is just positively brilliant in how they put things together? Mickey. Mickey Badalamenti puts together thoughts and, and details in a way that just, uh, it's not my style and approach. But every time I listen to him, I've been around the world with Rob Marcus, and he connects with people that I can't connect with. Now granted, I connect with some people he can't, but he has an amazing ability to make friends wherever we go. Sometimes enemies too, uh, mostly at home. Um, <laughs> No, he connects in a way that I can't. I play guitar. I've led worship, but I can't do anything like what Jake does. Not at all. I can't even come close to that. I haven't touched my guitar in years. It hangs on my wall. There's a strategic mind and thinking in in, uh, Justin that um, he puts together phrases and lines in a way, and his, his real desire to serve our youth and to shape something there is the one of the most thoughtful approaches I've ever seen to that type of ministry. And increasingly, youth ministry needs that kind of thoughtfulness and intensity. And I can go on and on and on down the line. Jeff Brown, uh, John, who's with us recently, others. These are good people. These are not my minions. These are my partners in ministry. We are brothers in what we share. I could talk about the elders. I could talk about the trustees. Some of the threads that bind us together. Um, you know, I'm going to ask Maria Gerlando, you're here today, and, and John Linder, would you stand? And Dwayne, you're in the back there. Could you stand for a minute? And Gary, could you stand for a second? Real quickly, Gary, yeah. Yeah, that Gary, you know. You're the only Gary in the room. I didn't know Maria that well. She'd been around the church for, for probably quite some period of time, but you know where the connection of thread there and where I have always an image of her? is we were down at Life Remodeled in Detroit doing blight removal. And this woman had gathered a little crew of her own friends, and, and she's sweated up to anything, chopping, and cutting and things. And that's where I encountered her and actually got to talk with her beyond just a passing thing here where she became a real person to me. And I, I always see that with you, Maria. Every time I'm there, I just I see that. Someone who just committed that time. Thank you for that. But I just wanted you, you can have a seat as I do it, but go ahead. John is another one. John and I had a lot of time together, but John and I were on a missions trip together. John works like nobody. He is a complete beast. We mix cement by hand. 
And we shifted in shifts. John's the only one that didn't shift. He'd keep doing it over and over again. And there's certain character traits that I got to connect in that missions trip was a thread that John and I have and continues beyond that to expand. With Gary, I'd asked, it was his first Sunday, I think, second Sunday here, and we said we were getting a group together the next day because we'd been given a bunch of material for Osborne High School that we're involved in and we need some people to move it. It was his first Sunday, maybe second Sunday here, was it, I think, Gary, so like that. He shows up there. And so the first meeting I really have of Gary is seeing him help unload a truck. I will never forget that. And that connected him with me beyond a passing statement. Thank you for that, Gary. For Dwayne. Dwayne and I have known each other for years. We've been on dozens of things of missions trips. We've been to Russia. We've been to all sorts of bizarre places. I know details about, about his life. His, his wife is the only high school friend I still have left. <laughs> which I'm not sure what that says, one way or the other. But we were on a missions trip after knowing each other for probably 25 years. And for the first time in the intimacy of that setting, he shared something with me and with the group that um, revealed something of his background and his heart that drew me even deeper to who he was in understanding. Thank you. There are threads and I was going to get clever at one point here today. I was going to have a piece of, of threaded material, toss it around, you see the inter- threads, the connection, but it, it just would have not been a great idea in my opinion. But what I would point out to you is that there are threads that bind us. Now some of you are brand new to this fellowship. Some of you walked into the first time. You have no threads that you would say connect. I would say that you, if you're a follower of Christ, you do. If you're a seeker of God, then you do and you're welcome here. But it takes some degree of engagement to be a part of things. I just read you a portion of chapter of Romans chapter 12, but let me go on in Philippians. It talks about doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Ambition's okay, but not selfish ambition. It talks about humility. Colossians chapter 3, about bearing with each other, forgiving one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's my responsibility. I've got to forgive you in the same way that I've been forgiven. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, fulfill the law of Christ. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. You know that even our communications and the things that I'll share here on a day like this, I meet with a team of people during the week and we discuss everything from, from Scripture to what's happening in the world, all those things, and it shapes my thinking of what's going into play. These relationships, this coming together as a church, we sharpen each other, we trim each other. God uses us to do that. Old bindings are cut away and increasingly we find threads and and stitching and glue that connects us. And what that means is that there are times then when, when there's things to celebrate and the celebration is that much richer. You can share whatever you want to on social media, but there's nothing like getting with a friend and actually sharing a piece of news and not seeing their emoji, but seeing their face. I still remember my wife and I had been professionals for 10 years, both in our own realms. And had traveled the world and had money and had resources, and then we had children and had nothing. But I remember that first child. And I remember sharing that because people thought we weren't going to have kids. We had a five-year plan 
After five years, we renewed it. After 10 years, we're saying it's either now or never. And so we decided to have children. I still remember sharing that at first very carefully with a few friends. I still remember Diana Camiso, now Diana Burmeister, neurosurgeon. I remember reading right outside that door when Renee and I first said, hey, we're pregnant. And Diana is a very restrained, quiet, um, withdrawn individual. And again, for those that are new, that was also sarcasm. She is the one of the most exuberant Italians I know. And there was an immediate scream, ah, screaming out. So everyone else suddenly is looking around and knowing what's going on. I still remember that. And that was 20 plus years ago. I remember on this day, one year ago, today, when my father died and passed away, when this congregation for the first time in, its, in the 30 plus years I've been here had a chance to minister to me and my family and came up like champs, people who I'd walked through difficult times, that you wonder, is this relationship or is this just a transaction and a professional exercise. It has never been that for me. It has never been that for any of our pastors. In fact, in the front row right there is a book written by a man, and the title of the book is, Men, We Are Not Professionals. We are not hirelings. With all our faults and all our blessings, we're pastors. And that means we care about you guys. And we don't always do it perfect. We have our own issues at times. So for me to look and realize uh, this time last year when so many people cared about me and my family and my time and my need, that had meaning. We gather together as a church Because we once were not a people, but now we are the people of God. We share history that goes back thousands of years. We share a culture and a relationship with fellowships around the world, literally. We sharpen one another. In Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. We celebrate those things. We come alongside when there's a flood. We come alongside when there's difficult times and needs that are present. We mature and we grow together with one another. We fight and we squabble sometimes. We have a few phrases here I'll offer to you. One phrase here for those that are brand new to our fellowship is we've said that we discuss things vigorously, but never violently. No one ever cusses anybody out in any meeting I've ever been in in my life. Nobody's challenged someone's motives or, or called them the ugly names in any leadership meeting I've ever been a part of. But yeah, there's strong leadership and so there's strong and vigorous conversations we also um, know that the gospel will not always be ex uh, acceptable to everybody. 
but we do believe it should be accessible. And so we try to use terms and methods and approaches that make that accessible. These are just some of the snapshots of who we are. But I'm caught a little bit as we wrap this down by, by what was said in that video that says that the, 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 the bookbinder is part artist, part restorer. Part artist and part restorer. God is shaping us as individuals. Each one of us is a signature page. Each one of us is unique. There are things in our lives that He is unbinding us from. Habits, people, things. But He's doing that in order to bind us together. There's an old song that I can still hear my father's voice singing. Bind us together, O Lord, bind us together, bind us with all these things of love and whatever else. An old-timey song, but the idea is of some of the connecting points that come in. And if you're moving from place to place, you never put down roots. I will guarantee several things. If you stay and are part of this fellowship, that you will be loved. I also guarantee that you will be disappointed. I will guarantee that you will be annoyed and irritated at some point in time if you engage at all. But I also guarantee that you'll be known and that you'll change and that there'll be transformation that you will see tangibly inside your life. This bulletin is a throwback. Ten years ago, we had a conversation and we had a segment of people that argued strongly that we should eliminate the bulletin. This was 10, 12 years ago now, probably 12, yeah, about 8, 10 years ago now. Their feeling was that everyone had smartphones enough that we could put everything on a, on a digital platform and uh, get rid of this archaic method of communication. It's very attractive. I like tech. I like the new things. I like things that are stream- streamlined and all. Do you know why you still have a bulletin in your hand right now or, or received one today? Because at that time, and even to this time now, not everyone, certainly at that time, not everyone has that kind of digital platform. You know what their statement was? So what? Our response was, no, that matters. You have a bulletin today because we believe in community. We believe in anybody coming in and having access and having connectivity. Joining or being part of a church is not an option. It's something that is required for spiritual health and well-being. I have not always myself been a fan of the church. I have been let down by it. I've also been let down by medical stuff too. That doesn't mean I give up on that process. We're going to finish this service a little different than our normal meditative thoughtful pattern. Because part of being church is participation. Now, one, I want to I want to thank those of you who've really made an effort to try to change church cult church culture, and you've actually made an effort to be here early or at least on time. That's that's really been a great thing. And for those of you again that have struggled with that for one reason or another, there's grace for that. We don't judge that. We don't judge whether you got hung up with kids stuff or car or whatever the case was. So don't feel bad on that. Don't don't not come for that reason. So we try to change a little bit of church culture. There's one other thing that we're not going to probably change today at all, because I think it's deeply ingrained. I think this is one of the, the least rhythmically abilitied congregations I know. And um, as, as a, a mild type of musician myself, I just find that frustrating. 
But there is something, even in your shortcomings, with joining together. So here's the statement, and then we're going to go here. How do you become part of the church? Your first thing is knowing Christ and accepting his nature and his work on the cross. Your second thing is being committed to a life of transformation and change, of being put into vices, of being trimmed, of being unbound to one thing and bound to something else. It also means participating. Some of you have never been on a missions team. Some of you have never served in the children's area. Some of you have never served in the youth arena or done anything of nature. And there's no condemnation for that. We all have different lives at different points in time. But it means that some of the threads aren't as tight as they could be. And I would encourage you, the way I get to know people most is by working together. And so I'd encourage you that. If you can't do that, and that's fine. That happens sometimes. There's different life issues. The next thing I'd say is be here. Here's the thing. If you're around long enough, people just realize that you're part of things. I was in a number of different churches growing up and finally was in one church for a number of years up in Flint and I was a young person. My dad was a pastor on staff there. Um, uh, I come into this group and these people have known each other their whole lives. But I just was there all the time. I'd show up at different things all the time. Finally, they said, you know what? Should we invite Randy this time? Yes, he's going to show up anyway. And by the time I left there, I was president of the youth group and I was deeply ingrained and they were some of the dearest friends I've had and still have. Being there, just attending, just showing up, being part of things. Pursue Christ. Get ready for transformation and change. Be a part of a church. Put down roots. Make sure they're understanding who Christ is and God and salvation and scripture. Check those things off. So, this morning we're going to sing a song. It's a song that you're going to get taught to a little bit, okay? Now here's the really critical thing that I'm going to ask you today. And, and just, I, I, I apologize for those of you that beforehand that could be a little bit set off by this. There's one point in the song where we're going to clap. We're going to clap together. Now, I just want to ask you this, okay? Because I know sometimes you sit there and go, no one will notice. People notice, okay? No one's going to judge you. No one's going to attack you if you do not clap. God will see it, though, and he will not look good. Now, I know some of us are going to be off on our clapping, and that's okay. Everyone else is going to be going here. We're going to go, and you're going to feel a little off. That's okay. Everyone's, it doesn't matter. If we all get it together, cool. If we don't, what matters is we do it together. I grew up not sure if I ever wanted to even be a part of a church. Now I allegedly and theoretically on occasions lead one. Why? Because he's unbound me from some things and he's bound me together with threads stitching and glue to some of you. So, Father, I ask as we um, uh, step into this exercise that we do it with a joy, that there be a certain level of freedom and no condemnation, that just even just for this moment, two or three minutes of time, 
that we could as one people do something together. And this way, uh, encourage one another and uplift your name. So guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I think you probably should stand. Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day of judgment approaching. Be here. Hang in there. For those of you that got the clap down great, bless you. For those of you that while the song was going on, actually, actually moved your body a little bit, extra points in heaven, okay? Um, go into this day with joy and in this week. Uh, Father, I thank you. Lord, I, I say now something I thought I'd never say. I thank you for your church. God, continue to hammer us, continue to pressure and shape us, continue to unbind us to things that we shouldn't be bound to and to increasingly bind us, not just to one another, but ultimately to you. Your Holy Spirit is the glue. Our experiences may be the threads and the stitches, but it's your Holy Spirit's the glue that keeps us linked together. Guide us in these things and let us go from this place in joy and expectation of your work. In Jesus' name, amen.